Welcome to the show. In today's podcast, we have Ali Drummond, aka Real Femme Sapien. She promotes modern conservatism, masculinity, and femininity, as well as embracing your options as a woman. In this episode, we talk about the decline of marriage and the rise of single parent households. This may be a triggering episode for some, but please only listen if you can do so with an open mind. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Kakatibi Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hey, Allie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Kat. I'm happy to be here. So this is going to be an interesting episode. It's not something I normally talk about, but I thought another perspective on modern relationships would be an important discussion to have. And before we jump into it, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your mission, why it's important? My name is Allie Drummond. I run a YouTube channel called at Real Femme Sapien. I also have Instagram, although I think that's mostly for research and a little bit of advertising, but that is also at Real Femme Sapien. I do one-on-one coaching with women to serve my mission. And my mission is to help women to get married and stay married to reduce the risk of child abuse by half. And I've been wildly successful. I never thought I would get there. But the reason why I talk to women so much, even though my target audience is children, is because statistically in all cultures, women are the primary caregivers. You can't get away from motherhood. It's just something that we are bestowed the responsibility of. And so we can either accept that and make a better world for our kids, or we can make mistakes and then pretend like we're not impacting the future. I like the former a lot better. Well said. I definitely feel that our missions intersect because I'm all about bringing attention to the biological ramifications of taking synthetic birth control, the weight gain, all that stuff. Choosing a mate, it disrupts your pheromones. It depletes minerals, vitamins. It increases infertility afterwards. People don't like to talk about that. And then women are starting to delay getting pregnant, which is causing more autism rates to spike, health effects of the children, more maternal death is happening than ever before. We are an advanced country and we're dealing with stuff that you would think a third world country would be dealing with. And it's really turned topsy-turvy. So with that, why do you think they push the sex in the city lifestyle down women's throats? Because we watch it because it's profitable. I remembered being from ages 10 to 13 and I was wildly obsessed with whether or not Carrie Bradshaw was going to have her career and be a boss babe or if she was going to settle down with Mr. Big. And now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, just looking at the statistics, first of all, most men that I'm dating are never going to be as wealthy as Mr. Big, which I don't even think they ever named his net worth. Also, most women are not as successful as Carrie Bradshaw. If you just look at the raw data, looking at IRS 2016 statistics, you can see that 91% of women are earning less than 75000 a year. So we can't possibly be Carrie Bradshaw and Mr. Big, but I thought that that was going to be my life. And a lot of women believe that lie and they continue to chase the bag, not understanding that you have a fertile window. And so if you are wanting to have a marriage and children, you need to be thinking about that in your early 20s. I'm not saying get married in your early 20s, but you need to have it in your plans and on the menu. And it's really important that women change what they feed their eyes through their social media diet. 
some of the content that we take in really puts women on a pedestal and makes men second class to us. And if you approach romance through that dynamic and that lens, you're going to fail. Yes, I'm much older. So back when I was in the dating market, I expected everybody would eventually get married and have a family. And I think we might have been the tail end, the last generation to actually get married in a considerable rate. And then it started tapering off after. And it was really weird. And yes, there's always been people who got divorced. They always like to say it's 50%. But when you look at the statistics, it depends on your income. It's usually lower income people who are struggling more, who tend to get more divorces. And it could be because the guy doesn't have motivation. The girl finds someone who has more resources. There's a whole bunch of reasons. Let's get into that. What is it that people are looking for when they're trying to find a mate? The difference between what men want and what women want. Well, a lot of my talking points are going to be borrowed from Rolo Tomasi. He's an unpopular figure, but he really nails female mating strategy. We're trying to get the best of both worlds. We're trying to get good genetics and we're trying to get good provisioning. So the genetics is basically, we want the hot guy. We really do. They're attractive. We're not going to stop being attracted to masculine men, but not every guy with a six pack is worth procreating with. But I think it speaks to our hindbrains because it, it would mean that if a man was muscular, that he could do a lot for us. He could protect us. He could also build things for us. He could hunt game. And I think that speaks to our hindbrain. What we have now is we have a very comfortable society where if you're a muscular man, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do all of those things for me. It's not required. We have a very civilized society that makes it to a woman's benefit to live. We live very easy lives, very privileged lives, I like to think, in the West. And on the flip side of that, we need the provisioning. So we need a man that earns enough money so that we can have that downtime when we're pregnant or if we choose to stay home and raise children. Even progressive women oftentimes choose to stay home. This is not a conservative ideal. This is a conventional gender role that we try to push back on that is not going to cease to exist. The problem is that it is very hard to find a rich dude who is also hot, just to put it in very reductive terms. I'm not saying that money is everything, but to find that good genetics and that provisioning in one man, statistically, very challenging, very challenging. And we've created this dating market where majority of women are pursuing, if you look at what they list as their requirements for men, they're looking at like 20% of men. Right. And it's because they've idealized men. They've idealized a husband. They haven't actually dated a man or had a husband because dating is different than hooking up with someone. So for anyone that has delusional ideals on what a husband or a wife is, it's because they don't have dating experience. Tell us about just a little bit, because I know you've talked about this a ton, about how women attack you online. I get hit with a lot of things. And it's not just women, it's also young men, but I can get into that discussion a little bit later. When women argue with me, they throw a lot of boogeyman situations at me because I am primarily financially dependent on my husband, although my business is on the up and up. So it eventually will probably be equals in income, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to that. And that's also something interesting to consider when you look at statistics as well. So women will tell me things like, aren't you scared of being replaced? Aren't you scared of being homeless? He's going to take advantage of you. It doesn't help that my husband is twice my age. But a lot of this stuff isn't true. The whole being replaced by a younger woman thing, men file for divorce significantly less than women. Women file something like 75 to 85% of divorces. 
right? It's us that's doing it. We're the ones leaving men and we get rewarded for it. We get cash and prizes. We can get child support. We can get alimony. Men typically lose when it comes to marriage. So when they say these things to me, I look at the facts and I look at the data and I know that it's a lie. And I know that there are young women out there that are 18 to 19 years old that are scared to get married because they're believing these women. These women don't have marriages to back up what they're saying or they're traumatized from their parents' horrible marriage or whatever dynamic was going on. But I think when I look at conventional gender roles, I think about it being used as insurance for marriage. A masculine man and a feminine woman is a good working model and it has been for quite some time. But there's many other things that people throw my way. For example, well, what if I'm in a situation that is violent, right? Because I guess most husbands are abusers to these women. That's how delusional they are. The truth about it is, is that there's only two battery shelters for men in the United States. There are orders of magnitude, much more battery shelters for women. I'm not concerned. And we have government safety nets that are going to help me to get back on my feet. That's not to say that it's easy, easy for a woman to leave a domestic violence situation, but we do have the assistance available to us. Whereas like men don't. So a lot of the stuff it's this fear because women operate under fear, scarcity, and lack as, as referenced by Kevin Samuels. And I can see that in the day-to-day marketplace. And I also see that from a brief stint that I worked at a university where you ask these young women who are freshmen and sophomores about marriage, and they honestly equate it to slavery. Since I started staying home, because I have a kid and all that stuff, I got married. I have gotten so much hate to the point where I have to kind of downplay how awesome my life is to other women just so they don't hate me. And I don't want people to be jealous. I don't want people to get aggressive, but that tends to be the response where I just stay quiet to avoid conflict, which I know it's probably not the best situation, but when it's the majority of women responding in that way, you kind of go, okay, I must be doing something wrong if all women that I talk to seem to think I'm doing something terribly wrong and I've destroyed my life. Well, they're, they're going to be upset. You got your optimal mate. And that's what I want for other women too. But we have to have conversations about competing in the marketplace for them to win as well. So it's uncomfortable for women who don't have that same thing, right? And you seem like a a joyful woman. So I would imagine your marriage is not hell like most people would think. And that's not to say that marriage isn't work. I think it's daily work. I think you choose to love one another and you perform actions off of that. But yeah, I would imagine women are upset with you. (laughs) There was one friend that I had that she tried to trap a guy by getting pregnant. He did not marry her. She became hostile, threatening to take money from him and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, she realized she had to concede if she wanted him in her child's life. And she became so bitter and angry that she would like yell at me, just attacking me all the time. And I would just be like, okay. Or if she saw somebody who was married and happy, she was like, oh, that's fake. She became so consumed and bitter. And I see that happening all the time with a lot of single mothers. Not a lot of them are happy and you can really, really see it. And I believe it affects their parenting. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but that's my observation. I don't see them as very happy. They're very tired. They're doing everything themselves. They're overworked. Mm -hmm. Their kid's not getting them. The kid might not be doing as well in school. Somebody else has to raise it. If there's days off of school, you can't take that many days off of work. 
And people mm-hmm. don't realize this. School gets out at two sometimes earlier. And what kind of a job are you going to have where you're making tons of money that you can just leave and then there's traffic there and back and then you pick up your kid. You can't take them to work. What are you supposed to do? People don't think ahead to the reality of working full time with a child. They just think this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And it's children that suffer at the end of the day because of that. You know what's not a fun statistic? Because what you're, what you're saying is true. There's data that supports it. Is that single fathers parent better than single mothers? Nobody wants to have that discussion. Now, I think there's different reasons for that. I think it's very easy for a woman to get overwhelmed. But that's why we need to get to the young women to let them know, hey, you might be making these decisions out of emotions when you're young. But what are you going to be dealing with when you're 40? And I get a lot of heat for that, too. So I am Latina. I grew up in a lower socioeconomic status. I grew up in a single mother home and I incurred a lot of risk factors that lead me to sometimes be symptomatic with CPTSD, which, you know, I just get treatment for that. I'm probably going to be in treatment for the rest of my life. That doesn't happen to every kid, but the data does show that I probably wouldn't have experienced so many risk factors if there was a father in the home. It's a night and day difference, but we keep pedestalizing women and none of this is a conversation to dog on women. It's just to say, as a community, as a demographic of females, we are not doing too hot right now. So what can we do better moving forward? And that's not to say that there are not wonderful co-parenting parents. They exist. Do I think most women have the emotional maturity to co-parent with a man that they're upset that they are not in a relationship with anymore? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Every time I say so-and-so got divorced, the first thing is take him for everything he's got. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) What if he was tricked? What if this happened? What if she cheated? What Mm -hmm. if this? I mean, they want to say the what about for the other side, but they never want to say it for the guy's side. Mm -hmm. That's just a double standard. We're physically the smaller, weaker sex. And I think that plays into a lot of our policies where we try to protect women. But there there isn't a lot of protection for men when it comes to divorce. And that's why you'll see people are coming out and saying, oh, divorce is at an all-time low. Like, no, 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 no. Marriage is at an all-time low. So if if people aren't getting married, they're definitely not getting divorced. And I believe we're in a post-marital society. Women don't really need to be married to get a man's resources because that's a compromise and mating strategy. I give you my sexual agency. In return, you give me protection and provisioning. We can get provisioning. We don't necessarily need protection in the West because we have a very civilized society as previously stated. So that's the framework that we're working in. Men are no longer necessary. They're by most women considered a commodity and that's how they view it. But I think there's going to be a time where women are not as beautiful as they were in their youth, where men are not going to be a commodity. They're going to be a necessity because it's not just about what he can do for you. It's somebody that you can lay in bed with. It's somebody who can hold your hand. It's somebody that you can look up at on your deathbed. That's the point of marriage is to have a witness to your life. The provisioning is great. Don't get me wrong. Excellent. But it it would be helpful if we humanized men in the dating market and we humanized women in the dating market. Because that's the biggest problem that I see is objectification by either sex unto one another. Let's go back to like how we grew up. I'm an elder millennial myself. And I grew up primarily, my dad was in the home, my mother was in the home, but then they got divorced around, I was like 11 or so. I lived with my mom first. That was 
a train wreck. Let me just tell you, she didn't know where I was all the time. My mom speaks Spanish. She's from Cuba. I never learned Spanish. She didn't have time for anything like that. She didn't have time to teach me anything. I didn't learn how to do anything. I could make pasta by myself. I had to cook for myself, do everything for myself. I had to motivate myself and thank God that I was self-motivated because who was there to check on me? There were situations that I was in being like a latchkey kid that I would be terrified if my daughter was in those situations, like walking home from school with eight lanes of traffic. What kind of a person lets their kid do that? But that's just how it was back in the day. They didn't care. They're living their life. And now I see that women, the ones who are my generation that are mothers, they're super overprotective. And I'm worried about that as well, but that's a different issue. But when we look at our how we grew up, what was it about our generation that made women hate men so much? Because I know when my parents got divorced, thankfully, my mom was smart enough not to hate my dad or tell me about it. But I see a lot of women nowadays who are divorced talking garbage about their ex-husbands, the father of their children to their children. And then I have little girls. My daughter is like nine. Little girls who are like six, seven, eight years old saying, I will never get married because if I'm with a guy, they're going to ruin my life by getting me pregnant. This is what little eight-year-old children are saying about guys. And it's not just one. It's not just two. It's like 10, 20, and this is getting out of hand where everybody's a narcissist. This is a thing that I've noticed that women always say, he's a narcissist. They're all narcissists. Statistically, that's unlikely, but okay, girl. An easy answer would be feminism. I don't think feminism is about equal rights anymore. I think it's misandrist. I think feminism on paper looks really good, but in practice, it appears to be very man-hating. We continue to coddle and protect women, but- It's like we're coddling and protecting them and pushing them toward poverty and also toward depression. But people just don't want to look at that data and have that narrative because it wouldn't wouldn't feel good. It wouldn't feel good for women to admit, oh, we've been misled. We've been had. We did it to ourselves. But that's the reality of the situation. And that's another reason why I have my platform is to debunk all of the feminist talking points that men are inherently oppressive. How on earth, if you are raised to be a feminist, are you going to be able to get married if you think that men are inherently oppressive? You would be marrying an oppressor, but that's not true because you'll see there are feminists who are still married. So they have a hard time even having that logic and being able to get from point A to point B about romance and relationships. And I think that also negatively impacted minority homes. I say this to say that if you are in a lower socioeconomic status in an urban city, cities are typically run by Democrats. They're run by progressivists. So we end up as brown women being educated by women who went to undergrad who are going to have that liberal bias. Like we're forced to go to these public schools. We're forced to have these teachers that are women pushing an agenda. And you're seeing in public schools, it's getting worse and worse. Now, if you are trained in social sciences, and I would consider education to be a social science and and as a field of study, you're trained to be a social activist first and your job is second. I think it's probably better for people to be educators first and social activists second because we need the tools to succeed. You can advocate for us later, but at least make sure I know how to read. So this is all very much a big picture situation 
from what I can tell about how feminism is infiltrating the dating market. You can even see it out there on dating apps. You have women coming out and putting their political leanings and saying, well, if you support, you know, any conservative candidate, don't even bother swiping. Like, like, what do you mean? How a man feels about taxes is going to indicate what kind of partner he's going to be. But I mean, also women shouldn't be on dating apps for relationships anyway. It's low hanging fruit. They always complain. They always get burned. I'm like, have you tried meeting a man in real life? Have you tried? Oh, Allie, (laughs) I met my husband (laughs) online. (laughs) Most people do. Most people do. But I'm talking about women that go on Tinder and they're trying to date. And I'm like, that's not what that's for. We know Mm -hmm. that's not what it's for. (laughs) Yes. I met my husband on MySpace. MySpace. Oh, you are an elder millennial. (laughs) Yes. Very, very. All I did was I put in the little search box everything I wanted. And he was the first one that popped up. I messaged him hi and he took the lead. (laughs) That was it. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you guys. That's great. My husband, he's a physician and he's telling me about his older female patients and what they're doing in the dating market. And it's so bad. It's so cringe. They think, okay, I'll just get a divorce because I've been married for like 30 years and there's no fire anymore. I just replace him, right? They think it's so easy. And then they get out there and the most disgusting propositions you could ever imagine, but like times 10. This is what the guys on the Mm -hmm. dating apps are like asking. And these women are like, what is wrong with guys now? I don't know what's going on but the perversion levels have been sky high. The world is deteriorating very fast. Oh, I I thoroughly agree. I thoroughly agree. But I think it would be remiss to say that women are not also exercising their sexual liberation, but they're believing that lie, that promiscuity is going to make them happy. It actually doesn't. It also reduces your value in the dating market. People don't want to have that conversation. How could you assess someone's value in the dating market? You don't have to listen to me. You can make mistakes and then you can go date. There is no more fair economy than the dating economy. You will get out of it exactly what you put into it. And that's what you put into yourself. I remember I used to date a lot before I settled down with my husband. I would date eight guys at one time. But when people hear dating eight guys, they think sleeping with eight guys. And I'm like, that's not a date. I don't know what you're thinking. And they don't understand (laughs) that you can go out on a date and then go home afterwards well most women don't do that most women say they're dating men or talking to men and they're sleeping with them i share this same point all the time to young women that dating multiple men is not the same thing as sleeping with multiple men but what are most young women going to do they're going to do the latter right so we talk about women being young you need to wait you need to find yourself and it's like where exactly are you finding yourself in the streets is that working out for you is that happening But women also need to understand that they have a lot of leverage in most of their options for dating for awful mates when they're young. But again, not a fun conversation to have. That's another reason why Sex in the City was so popular. We have women that are in their 30s and 40s that are considered attractive and they're having so much fun and all these options in dating. It's not like that for most women. Yeah, I, I never actually thought Sex and the City was worth watching. It just seemed really sad to me. And I'm glad mm-hmm. I had that opinion because the people who did get really into it, they all wanted to become writers. So they all went to New York to become writers and ended up 
coming back when they get older, they don't get as many jobs because maybe they were really pretty when they were young. So it's easier. And then suddenly it's not so easy to get that promotion. And then they come back with their tail between not all of them, not all of them, but enough to where I can say that this is a thing. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. I went to an art school for a couple of years. A couple of those women moved to New York City. And I honestly, I... I can't imagine why I live in the Midwest. I live here on purpose. And I also try to drive that point home to my viewers to let them know that there are ways that you can stay home, right? But it's going to be really challenging if you live somewhere with a high cost of living. Relocation should be an option that's on the table for people. But I, I agree. These high charging women, a lot of them end up calling it quits, not completely in the workforce, but they'll shift gears around 30, which I think it's too late. This whole get buried when you're 30, start dating when you're 30. Okay, so you start dating somebody when you're 30. You're together a year for a year or two, and that's if the relationship is successful. That's if you're even compatible. After a year or two, you get engaged. You wait another year to get married. So by that time, you're 33. That's the problem. That's the challenge is your fertility when you're 33. Should you, if you're healthy, still be fertile at 33? Yes. But are you going to be as fertile as you were at 18? No. I mean, the the data on that is clear. And if you, as a woman, I hate to say this, but it's harsh truths that need to be said. If you have to resort to IVF, not because of something genetic, but because of the decisions that you made in your life, that says a lot about your ability to be decisive, to plan. And that's a risky situation that you wouldn't have had to be in had you thought about romance as much as you thought about your career. And people think that IVF is like 100% effective or that they're going to, by the time that happens, I'm going to be at this point in my career, so I'm going to have the money. No, you're not. The odds of you having that amount of money to go through multiple IVF, multiple traumas, multiple, like sometimes you have to have like the baby dies, they have to take it out. And it's like a traumatic event for women who go through IVF. And it goes one, two, three, five times is the average for the women I know that have done it. I mean, five times to go through that. First of all, who has the money? A lot of people have to like get a second mortgage or whatever. They think they're going to be so rich by this time, but it's not Mm -hmm. likely. So you have to plan ahead. And 30 is old to have a child, at least your first child. Because if you start earlier, it's like nature gives you a little bit more leniency to continue later for some reason. But if you do not start, it kind of starts shutting things down quicker. It's like you're not using it or you're on the birth control too long. I think it was Depo was used as a sterilization and now we're using it as birth control and hoping we're going to get off of it and our fertility is just going to come back. But that's not always the case. And then you're down for a very long road. Also, if you get married earlier, this is something they don't talk about. You can have a few years where you don't have kids. So you can really suss them out. Make sure, is this who I really want to be with? Do I really like him? I waited until four years after being married to have a kid because thankfully I got married early enough that I had that amount of time. And we were like more than sure, more than ready. We had traveled. We have done all the fun things together as a couple that we were like, okay. And then we're more secure as well. It's not like a new relationship where it's all fun or you're still in the infatuation phase. And then you have a baby and now you're not getting any sleep and you're fighting all the time. You have something to look back on and to look forward to after you leave that um, infant stage where things are a little stressful. I'm in a pinch myself. So my, my husband is twice my age and 
we got to get cracking with these babies as soon as possible, as soon as possible, because even if we started now, by the time the first kid graduates, and by the way, easy to get pregnant, hard to stay pregnant, hard to do. By the time the first kid graduates, this guy's going to be 68. Like, oh no, we got to get on it now. No time to spare. I have more time than him, I I think. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you do. But it is a thing that people have to consider. So Mm -hmm. um, one of my longest male friends, I was talking to him about like how it is to date. He lives in Paris. And he was talking about how having sex with women now, modern women, is like taking candy from a baby. And then he says he'll have a relationship with a woman about three months in. They can't fake it anymore the little facade that they had that they're a nice, happy person and it comes down and you just see the bitterness. They are very resentful. They want to blame the new guy for everything that the past 30 guys did to them. And then he has to break up with them because he's like, that's not my fault. I didn't do that to them. So why am I dealing with it? Oh yeah. That's most of my platform is these modern women. They are just not choosing optimal mates, number one. But You can't choose an optimal mate if you don't have value, if you don't bring anything to the table. And women get bent out of shape when you ask them, what do you bring to the table? Some of them are going to say, I am the table. That's great. You'll never be in a relationship. Or at least if you are, it'll be with a man that you're in control of that you're not going to be attracted to. Most women don't like being in charge as much as they hype it up. Any woman I know that has dominion over her husband is miserable. Right. It's not just, is she married? It's, is she happily married? And you have these women going out and they'll, they will do what I believe are very pathological things and they'll just pivot it toward men. Well, the men are trash. The men are bad, even though they're, they are also picking these men. So that's a conversation for both men and women to have where you need to raise your value in order to attract someone or have access to someone who is of value. But what I will say is that women have the upper hand. Eggs are expensive and sperm is cheap. So you'll see that even an attractive man is with, you know, a woman who's pretty average. And is that really fair for that man that is going out and doing what he needs to be doing in this world to have that social status, to hone in on his masculinity? Is that what he's worth? I don't think that's fair. But women don't want to have that talk about, yes, You know, it might behoove you if you want better results in the dating market. Yeah, you might need to lose 45 pounds. You might need to learn how to get along with a man. You might need to learn how men receive love. It's not just about how you receive love as the woman. And you should get in touch with female nature and what that's like. And understand that from my experience, the most self-aware women I know believe themselves to be highly emotional, highly sensitive person. But that's only the women that can reflect on themselves that are telling me this. So what does that tell me about most women? Most of us are emotional. Most of us are emotional. So if we're making decisions, we should pause and sit with them before we make brash choices. Hmm. I was at a party recently and there's a single mother there and she was talking about how there's no good men. There's none. (laughs) And they're all gone. And I'm like, okay, what are you looking for? And of course, she's, I don't want to say this, but she's very overweight. She has a young kid. She has bad relations with the father, where they're always fighting. So that's a situation that maybe somebody wouldn't want to come into. And then she's and all they want to do is have sex. And after work, I'm tired. And I just want to go to bed. I'm like, so what are you giving them? Or do you even have time to date? 
Do you even have time to date? You're going to complain about men, but then your work schedule is full because you are a single mother and you shouldn't have to feel bad about calling out women on their weight. The number one disease for women right now in the United States is heart disease. What's that coming from? Probably obesity. Now, do I think there's a problem with GMOs? Absolutely. But we have to educate women on nutrition so they can work around it. But if you as a woman are calorically undisciplined, a man of value is not going to want to make you the mother of his children. He is going to be put off by that because that lack of discipline shows up in other areas of your life and not a fun conversation to have, but I've been overweight. I was nearly obese. My BMI was 29.9. I did not feel good. I did not look good. I lost 45 pounds. My dating options completely changed in front of my eyes. I have other girlfriends. They lose 10 pounds. They lose 20 pounds. They're like a lot more men are paying attention to me. And yes, that's putting in the work, but women single mothers, they will choose someone to bestow the honor of father and then want another guy to pick up those pieces. And then we pat that guy on the back. We say, oh, he's not the stepdad. He's the the dad that stepped up, right? That's just admitting to a compromise and mating. And I, I understand that single mothers, they're not absolutely far gone. Do I think most people deserve love if they're willing to put in the work for it? Sure. But you're choosing to mate with that person, make him a father, and then you want the guy that you want to marry after the fact to be better than the man that you made a father. That's not fair. That's not fair to the man. And that that is something that surprises me about women because these same women have sons or they have uncles and sometimes they even have fathers. And you look at the way that they put men second class to women and you're kind of shocked. Like, is that how you're going to raise your son? Because that's that is who is going to be in the dating market with my kids. Your kids that you raise are going to be dating my kids. I don't want your kids around my kids. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying we have to do better. And also single mothers that have sons, they also have a tendency to make their son who's a child the quote unquote man of the house. And I think that's incredibly detrimental to a child, not letting them be the child and kind of getting the emotional support that you would get from a husband from a, a small child is very irresponsible for someone to put on them. And I see it all the time and they think it's cute and they're teaching them to be a good father, but they're just messing them up because they're supposed to have this time to be a kid, to make mistakes, to not be responsible for their mother. Yes, that is also occurs with daughters and it's this phenomenon called parentification. It's when you try to, as the parent, make your kid your own parent, telling them your emotional struggles, telling your kid that you can't pay the bills. Why do they need to know that information? They need time to be a child. But a common phenomenon with single mothers and their sons is this concept of emotional incest to where the mother and the son, it's almost like a girlfriend-boyfriend relationship. There is not sex involved. However, there's intimate details of the mother's life being shared with that man. And they think that they're raising men. They think that they're do what they're doing is messing up the dating market. Because like I said before, women are statistically the primary caregiver. So as much as we complain about men in the dating market, that's a reflection of us as women. What are we doing to these men that's making them such horrible mates for women to date? Right? And then why is that the conversation that men are not good enough for women to date? Whereas the inverse would be, Maybe women are not good enough for men to date. So why do we always put it on the men, right? 
Yeah. And going back to what you said before, I definitely believe that men make better primary caregivers. And I think that I'm going to get a lot of heat for that, but I had both. My mother was really busy. Plus she was trying to date. So she really didn't have any time to see what I was doing. Meanwhile, when I just couldn't take anymore and I went with my dad, he was like overprotective. Who are you dating? Who are you going with? Where are you? Write down the address. I'll drop you off. It's too late. I'll pick you up. He was that kind of parent, which is what girls need to keep them off the pole. But we don't really get that if we're just all with the mother all the time. People hate that I say that. But I mean, my dad's Middle Eastern. Over there, mm -hmm. if there's a, a divorce, you go with the father. That's normal. And the woman mm -hmm. starts a new family, still has, you know, sees the kids on the weekend, but the primary caregiver would be the father because when you're a child, you need the mother. When you're older and becoming an adult, you need the father to teach you the life lessons. And that's the big thing that fathers do and that we're missing out on as a culture right now. My father would sit with me at restaurants and point to like couples and there would be like a scantily clad girl and like a guy and he's parading her around. And he'd be like, he doesn't love her. That's just a trophy. That's just an object to him. And then he'd be like, you see the classy girl, she looks sexy, but she's nice looking, not like overly sexualized and then the husband and the family and they're happy that's a woman that is like a prize and is going to be treated well there's a difference and he would even say clothing that you wear matters if you're going to be very very revealing you're going to attract this type of person but if you're going to be still sexy but more refined you'll attract this type of person and we're not getting these conversations we're getting the opposite like just hooker it up and get that money <laughs> And that's, that's not going to help you out when you're 60. It might help you out when you're 20. You could totally get the bag when you're 20. But at some point, there's the law of diminishing returns. You know, there is an OnlyFans model that used to be a nurse. She's making 200000 a year. She is married with three boys. Now, she's absolutely gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. And she's a smart capitalist. She will have money to retire. But at what cost? At what cost is that lifestyle worth? Is it worth selling your soul? I don't think so. But... As a young, attractive woman, I would struggle with that. I would FOMO. I would say, these rave girls look so happy. They're so sexy. They have so much power. I want that same power. I want that attention. And I even now, I have to remind myself, no, that's just social media. It's going to be a different conversation when I'm 40 and they're 40. I know this. I see it oftentimes. But also, very attractive women seem to be able to get away with a lot more mistakes. They do. Men will say that they will not marry a promiscuous woman. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. And young girls have that hard time differentiating the rule because that I would like to think that that's the exception to the rule. I'm not really too sure. But young women have a hard time understanding that if a man will sleep with you, that does not speak to if he will date you, have a long-term relationship with you. It's two different forms of attention because they're going to try no matter what. Only one in three, and some studies suggest one in five men is even having sex. So they're going to they're gonna shoot their shot. But you get to decide as the woman who you give your body to. And we have to remind women of their autonomy and that all that glitters is not gold. And yeah, he's really hot, but it's probably not even going to be a good time. I'll say this. I have a big message that promotes monogamous sex, but it's because I think you're more likely to have a good time once you've been with somebody for a year or two years and you have a genuine interest in each other's bodies. 
you're going to have a hard time finding a random guy at a bar and saying, hey, I like it like this, this, that, and the third. But I, I know that there's guys out there that are talented, but can you get that talented guy to marry you? Diminishing returns here. Yeah, and I would definitely say like when it comes to that, I always think it sucks in the beginning. And then as you build more trust, that's when it gets better and you're more comfortable. I mean, it really gets better if you find the right guy and just stick with him and teach each other for years, you are going to have a great time with that. But then I also see a lot of women that are married for tons of years and then they just stop having sex all together and then they they expect their husbands to be faithful. And that's like another thing that nobody tells women that they feel entitled to him being faithful when they are not doing anything. And I understand hormones fluctuate, but we have things to do, hormone replacement, to kind of get that boost if you need that boost chemically. Yes, we are entitled for him to stay faithful to us even when we don't sleep with him. And we are entitled to his resources and his income because a lot of these husbands, men do get married to have sex with their wives, believe it or not. Believe it or not, that is something that's important to them and they want to have that bond and that relationship with their, their wife for the rest of that marriage. So when we continue to have him fulfill his obligations in the marriage, because he still has to work no matter what, even if he doesn't feel good, right? But then you as the wife, you're like, eh, like catch me next year. There are a lot of sexless men that haven't been able to have sex with their wives in several years. And it's really sad to hear but I also believe this comes down to women not being able to marry their first choice. I don't know any woman who marries her second choice who's going to be thrilled in the bedroom and want to keep doing that. And hormones do fluctuate. Women are not as sexual as men. We have orders of magnitude less testosterone than men. Testosterone is that initiator for sexual impulse. For us, we are cyclical. You'll find that we want to be more frisky around the time that we're ovulating. It's going to be different schedules. But to say that a man is, you know, a horrible human being for cheating when he wasn't given an outlet, you know, through his wife to have that joyful experience together, that's disingenuous. Because from what I can tell in my conversations with men and women, men who cheat, there's only three reasons why. One is that the wife is not putting out. Two is that the wife gained 150 pounds. And the third one is that he was always a womanizer, but she ignored the red flags or she didn't find out until she was married. That does happen. But that's the only reason why men cheat. I don't think most men do. And there is such a thing as wife goggles. I know men who have happily and fulfilled marriages. They don't want to cheat on their wife. They're getting it on the regular and they still think she's beautiful through that pair bonding and through that positive feedback loop. They're genuinely attracted to their wives. And I get hit with that too, with the, what if he trades me in for a younger model? That's what wife goggles are for. After you give a man children and a legacy and you've had a great decade together, why would he want to step out if you guys are hooking up regularly? Why would he do that? But the immediate rebuttal that I'll get from women on TikTok and sometimes even on YouTube too, is that, oh, you're saying that you always have to have sex. No, if you have the flu, you're probably not going to be in the mood. I understand that. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're just not feeling frisky. I get that. But how long are you going to say no for until you say yes or until he says yes to somebody else? Girl, um, I don't care if I just vomited, if I have 104 fever. I'm like, I can't move, but can you do it? <laughs> 
Okay, I'm the same way. I'm the same way, but I can't ever really say that. It's like, I don't think it's that hard for the woman. I don't think it is. What are you doing? Let's be honest. Right. Um, And, you know, there are women that you'll talk to them. It's, do you want to have sex with your husband? No. When you guys start getting started, do you then want to have sex? They're like, actually, yes. Actually, yes. It's like, amazing. You need foreplay. That's your problem is foreplay. So, you know, try a little bit, put a little effort. And it's funny because you'll see that when women first meet men, when they're not married, when they're not in that long-term relationship, when they're not cohabitating, they are frisky and they are all about him. But as soon as we know we have him, we're like, oh, performance is over. I can take my mask off. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever I hear my friends saying, oh, I haven't slept with my husband in months. And I'm just like, okay, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to catch this. Whatever this is, I just don't want it. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm just like, I am so happy and I get to be with someone who I love all the time. And I couldn't even fathom going like five days. Like if it's five days, I'll literally call my mom with him in the room. He doesn't love me anymore. It's been five days. (laughs) And then my husband's like, all right, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) And that's just playing with him. We have a fun relationship like that, that we like to tease each other about silly things. And we don't have any fights. It's so easy. The other thing is women, they don't know how to argue feminine. I think in a lot of ways, we just struggle with the neurotic side of the feminine where we want to control a man and it's not just controlling what he does but it's also controlling how he treats us so when they yell at us because they're angry they're aggressive you try to think how can i make him stop yelling when probably the better answer is what is he trying to tell me what is he trying to communicate to me what need of his isn't being met but it's really hard to do that in the moment so I struggle with that even in my own marriage. I'm still trying to learn how to navigate conflict in a feminine manner. For the most part, what I've been able to tell is that sometimes it's just easier to walk away. And sometimes, you know, he's too upset to walk away himself. So I can do that. I can go for a walk. But also what we learned in couples counseling was to set a time because I have a bit of high anxiety. Shout out to women. A lot of us struggle with neuroses such as anxiety and depression. So I get really worried and bent out of shape. I'm like, okay, you said we'll talk about it later. Well, when is later? It's like, okay, 3 p.m., 4 p.m. We're going to table this and we're going to come back to it. And I think where modern couples go wrong is cursing. Because once you start cursing each other out, it's really hard to stop. And it sets a precedent for disrespect. And women are not going to be feminine if a man is yelling down their throat at the same time. I believe women often will take advantage of a man's good nature, pointing at him in the face, screaming at him, because men handle marital conflict, emotional conflict worse than women physiologically. They get really overstimulated very quickly, and I think that speaks to possibly evolutionary psychology, where their hindbrain is saying, that's not my wife, I'm under attack by a saber-toothed tiger. That is a literal threat. So women have to get better about, I, I believe, walking away And just trying to see what he's trying to tell them through the anger. And I get that that's tough. And find a good soundboard because some of your girlfriends don't know anything about conflict. And if you take their stupid advice, you're going to end up single. So if you need to see a couples counselor, you can do that. If you need to see a couples coach, that's helpful because I think many counselors have a bias toward women. Women can do no wrong. The man is always the aggressor. And that doesn't help struggling wives. That doesn't help me. 
I need to know what I'm doing wrong so that I can fix it. Like, I don't care about my feelings. I want my marriage to last. So a good book to read about argumentation is The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. It's a book by Dr. John Gottman, who created the Seattle Love Lab with his wife. He got so good at his job, he was able to predict divorce with a 91% accuracy. So I would say the book is probably worth it, and it's very affordable, $7.99. So do you know the number one predictor of divorce? Oh, yes. Contempt. No. (laughs) Oh, you go. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what it's called. There's obviously a psychological term for it, but it's whenever the wife or the husband goes, look at this or, oh, wow, look at that. If the guy or the girl, if they do not respond positively and come and check out whatever you're talking about, that's the highest predictor of divorce. It's like 100%. Yeah, I could see that. Total disinterest in your partner, right? Because people say the difference between the opposite of love is hate, but I don't think so. I think the opposite of love is indifference. I think that's so much worse. Yes, it's 100% worse. So I see it all the time whenever people are like dating or whatever. I will tell people, look, when you get excited about something, he doesn't seem to care. And they're like, no, no, he does. It's fine. He's just interested in different things. And I'm like, all right. And then, of course, it happens a couple years later, a couple kids later. And I'm just – I don't want to be – Debbie Downer, but these things are important. And I don't think we're teaching women what to look for, for like a good husband and father. We're just going, is he hot? And does he have money? That's not enough. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's enough to secure reproduction, but it's not enough to secure a relationship. And that's what we need to get to. But I, that's why I created my platform I don't have the 18 years of marriage to back up my claims or anything like that. I do research, sure, and I have daily conversations with men and women. But what I try to do is get the women who do have receipts, women who are mothers, because I'm also childless at the moment. So finding women who are moms who have been married for a really long time, what does that look like? And getting them together to get that information to our younger female viewers. Yeah, and I think it's so important what you're doing because – I started watching The Manosphere recently, and I do not like what they are saying. They're going like, just be successful and work out and then have 50 girls and cheat on them all. (laughs) That's what they're preaching. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to help children at all. This is not conducive to repairing the divide and healing traumas and raising better successful children that are emotionally mature. So yeah, what do you think about the manosphere? I think it's good. I think you're supposed to take the red pill and not the bottle. And I think you need to vet the men that you take in content from. They've all got their different niches. They've all got their different business models. But for the most part, I've learned a lot from For example, Rolo Tomasi, I would say he's probably the most balanced, but people just don't seem to like the way that he talks. They just don't like what he says about women. But I do believe that he knows what he's talking about and he's helped plenty of men because that's what's made him a successful entrepreneur. He wrote a book called The Rational Male. It's been pretty much a guidebook for most men. It's a little bit of pickup artistry, don't get me wrong, but that's because there are men who are literally 35-year-old virgins. They exist. I've coached a couple. They have no idea what to do with the feminine mystique and it makes them angry and it makes them resentful of the world. And so he basically shows men how to have that sexual confidence through game. And that's important. I don't want to be 
married or dating someone who's not a little bit sexually confident. I mean, my preference is like very sexually confident. Like that's what I want. But you know, we have these men that they're too scared to even say hello to a woman. Right. So I think they serve a purpose. What they're trying to do is help men to do that. They're essentially trying to help men to get laid. We as a culture and a society will say, Oh, that's so bad. What's the objective of marriage as well? Right. So it's fine if a man is pursuing that sexual autonomy, if it ends up in protection and provisioning for the woman, I do favor that. I do favor that, but you'll see that sometimes men will take the information and they'll choose to be a player. That's fine. Cause I'm just not going to date them. I'm just not going to date them. That's what it's for. Right. But for the guys that understand it and they want to have a legacy, I'm here for that. Yes, there's there's definitely a difference between a high value man and like a man who is of value mm-hmm. and who would make like a good partner in life. But mm-hmm. okay, so let's before we go, let's talk a little bit about why people hate the word submissive. Submission, lots of reasons why people hate it. It has a negative connotation. People often think that it's referring to training a dog, which is rude for the women that make the choice to be submissive. But if we were to use the word willful cooperation, that would be a lot less greeting for a lot of ears. They would say, sure, I'd want to be cooperative. But when we talk about submission, we're, we're having a socioeconomic status conversation. It's going to be hard for a woman coming out of poverty to be able to trust a man's leadership. If all you've ever been taught is that men aren't dependable, only de- you can only trust yourself. You can only depend on yourself. It's better if you get support from the government. You figure out a husband later. They're suspicious. These men, they're out to get you. So women from that, they need to do submission work. Women that are coming from a two-parent household that's well-rounded and adjusted, they understand that it makes sense to submit to proven, justified authority. Proven, trusted, and justified authority. Somebody knows more than you and wants to help you. So they're naturally cooperative. It's the women that are coming from that lower socioeconomic status or coming from a pathological home. They can't be cooperative. And on the flip side, submission has a negative connotation because Christianity is under attack in the West. When you hear submission, you think about the Bible. If you were to actually look in there, crack it open, you would see that husbands and wives are commanded to submit to each other. So it's pretty equal opportunity. It's just a negative connotation because nobody wants to tell women, hey, you have an attitude problem. Men don't want to be around you. They certainly don't want to work with you. So you're going to do something about that or you're going to stay single. Yeah. And I know the attitude problem comes from trauma. They're trying to put up a wall so they don't get hurt, but it makes it impossible for anybody to find them attractive long term. Oh, I would definitely agree. And you'll notice that I, for myself coaching women, I have a hard time really getting through to women around age 30. That's when it starts to get really tough because you hear what they do on some dates and you can see the ways that they're rude. They give you a play by play. They're not really seeing this man, but there's an interest. He's not a boyfriend. They're at a similar concert. He walks past her doesn't really acknowledge her later on in the evening you he tells her you look nice and then she responds with thank you but why didn't you say that at the door like that that is why you're single he gave you a compliment and your immediate response is why didn't you do it sooner that's not okay that's what i mean by submission work 
is it going to be to your benefit to be argumentative? You can do it if you would like. It's probably going to make your man miserable. You're not going to attract a masculine man. Masculine men have options and they have access to feminine women. That's your competition. So what I tell women all the time is this, is to close their eyes and to just listen. Because if they listen close enough, they'll hear that it's a sound of another woman turning 18 who already knows the game. Her parents understood that marriage was a good thing and they helped her to make that a priority in her life. That's who you're competing with. So you either going to get it together or you're going to be left behind, sis. I don't know what to tell you. If you could go back to you at 18, what would you do differently and what do you wish you knew? I think I would have joined the military sooner and I think I would have pursued dating through that. I think I would have seen what men were viable options in there because I think that there is something about a man in uniform that can make them to be a good leader and I would have made marriage a higher priority and I would have understood that there were different qualities of men. When I was 18, I thought all men were the same, legitimately. From the McDonald's worker to the millionaire, I thought that's the same dude, right? You just pick a guy and you marry him. Now that I'm older, I can see what those subtle differences are. And I have a more comprehensive view of masculinity. As much as I talk about genetics and provisioning, Character also comes into play. Even If you're an attractive, wealthy man and you have a horrible personality, I'm not going to want to have kids with you. I have to be able to talk to you for the next 20, 30 years of my life. Why would I sign up for something like that? So that's what I would have told myself is that it, you can get an education whenever you'd like, but probably join the military sooner and try to date based off of that. But that's my personal preference. Every woman has her own path of what type of man she wants to pursue you know, I definitely recommend for women to go to college. And if you want to study STEM, you'll probably bump into another man who is studying STEM and would like to marry you one day. It's about strategy for me. If I could go back, I definitely think I would put them through several tests and not in a bad way. Hear me out. So I'm thinking more like, see how they act with me alone. That's obvious. With me and my girlfriends, with me and my girlfriends and their husbands or boyfriends. Because some guys, when you get to that point, they go nuts. They start like peacocking or look how much money I have or my car is better than yours. Oh, and they just become an embarrassment, especially because I would always date wealthy guys. So mm -hmm. some of them, they don't have social skills because when you get to a certain level, you kind of think everybody else is crazy like you and nobody tells you anything because you have all the money. And they're just like, so embarrassing. So I would definitely say that would be something that I would put them through and then maybe like a stressful trip somewhere to see how they act, see how they act with waiters, things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Th that sounds like pretty good tips that you could give to your 18-year-old self. Before we go, is there any hope for strong families in the future? Yes. But we have to stop calling masculinity toxic first because masculinity is only toxic when it's not to a woman's benefit. When a man throws himself in front of a bullet, which, by the way, statistically, in emergency situations, they will throw themselves in front of bullets for women. When they do that, then masculinity is great. Now, when they're stoic and they're not as emotional when a catastrophe occurs, okay, well, then that must mean that they're mentally ill. No. There are reasons why men process emotions differently, such as neurobiology and endocrinology. We just have to let men be men, stop putting them under such significant scrutiny, understand that they're human too, and 
go from there. I think if we can humanize men and stop with constantly painting them to be predators and to be oppressors, I think we could get further. But as long as feminism has its grips in our country, it's going to be tough because there's a reasonable argument to make that, you know, maybe the world does want women single and childless, right? You get another employee, you get more taxes. And that sounds tinfoil hat. I get that. But women own most of consumer debt. We control marketing, right? So we're up against some really large structures. And if we continue to educate women on what men like and what what the men that they like, like, I think we'll get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I do think there is such a thing as toxic femininity. I don't need no man attitude and he ain't nothing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so how can everybody reach you and how can they work with you? You can follow me on Instagram at RealFemSapien. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's where I give out most of my gems. That's going to be at RealFemSapien as well. You can book a coaching session through email, emailing me at Allie, A-L-Y, at RealFemSapien.com. Or you can fill out a checkout link at RealFemSapien.net. And once I get to you, I will help you to achieve whatever goals we set together. You decide what the work is going to be. I don't do anything. I'm just your wingman. I'm your assistant. I'm your co-pilot. I just want to see you win. I actually don't want return customers. I want you to get what you need as quick as you can and go on with your life because I do really enjoy being a homemaker first, but I'm not going to let my girlfriends drown. I am not going to let these sisters suffer just because nobody's putting them on tip. Like I will do it. So Allie, I wish you a lot of success. And if anyone was triggered by this conversation, okay. I mean, what are we going to (laughs) do? But anyways, it was a great time. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahoum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, for 15% off any of their single pack products, and definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast, and listen, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.